Hello and welcome to another episode of Life in the Dark, a podcast dedicated to the golden age of radio and Hollywood's classic era. This podcast is part of the Nomad in the Middle network. More information can be found at nomadinthemiddle.com. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Each week at this time, Kraft presents from Hollywood, California, Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. We'll hear from The Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. But first, here's something I'd certainly be puzzling about if I were a housewife these days, and that's the problem of how to serve my family all the wholesome, nutritious foods they need and still keep within my budget. Well, here's one way to help solve that problem, and it's a mighty pleasant way, too. Yes, for nourishment your family needs, and for flavor they're sure to like. Serve them delicious, economical parquet margarine, made by Kraft. You see, parquet margarine is a highly nutritious food that's one of the best sources of food energy. And to parquet's natural wholesome goodness, Kraft adds vitamin A, 9,000 units to every single pound. But rich food value isn't all. Important, too, is parquet margarine's flavor, that delicate, appetizing taste that makes it the favorite of thousands of families for table use, for seasoning, for baking, and for pan frying. Just one taste will tell you about parquet's flavor. So why not try delicious parquet margarine tomorrow? Yes, ask your dealer for parquet. P-A-R-K-A-Y. <laughs> And now let's visit our friend, the great Gildersleeve. Uh, don't eat your luncheon so fast, Leroy. Yes, Leroy. Where do you think you're going in such a hurry? To a fire. Uncle Mort gave me a quarter to burn the leaves. Yes. Say, leaf burning might be a good business for me to go into. Better get outside, Leroy. There's a wind coming up and you're liable to blow your business right down the street. Okay. Hey, did anybody see my sweater? Excuse me while I take this book. Yeah. Hello, Bertie. Mr. Gilman, please in. Yes, Mrs. Will. Just finishing lunch. Uh, come on in, Judge. Thank you. Well, hello, Ted. Uh, hello, Judge Hooker. This is an unexpected pleasure. Would you gentlemen care to indulge in a cup of coffee? No, no. Only going to stay a moment. Mr. Wills and I have a little matter we want to discuss with you, Gildersleeve. In confidence. Oh, surely, surely. Let's go into the library. Thank you. Well, Leroy, what are you looking for? My sweater. I left it here somewhere. Yes, on my moose head. That's no place for a sweater. I put it in your room. Thanks. Oh, hi, Judge Hooker. Hello, Leroy. Ted. Hello, Leroy. Say, who do you think's going to win the game tomorrow? Leroy, we've got some business to talk over. Now, please imitate a priority and make yourself scarce. <laughs> uh, 23 skidoo. 23 skidoo? Yes, scram. Uh, oh, I get you. 23 skidoo. Must be a new kind of jive. Wait till I spring that one on the gas. Yes. <laughs> Jive. Well, now that we're alone, let's get to the point. Yes, let's get right to the point, Judge. Uh, what is the point? Well, Ted tells me that you're interested in civic and municipal affairs. Yes, I am. It was Thomas Jefferson who said... Or was it Benjamin Franklin? No, it was Thomas Jefferson who said... What did he say? Well, 
Whatever it was, you can be sure it was right to the point, Judge. <laughs> We've got an organization here in Summerfield, Gildersleeve, known as the CGA. Yeah. We strive to make our city a finer and cleaner place to live in. And now that you've become a resident of Summerfield, we want you as a member. Well, uh, that's a great honor. I, I'm not sure that I deserve it, Judge. By the way, what is the CGA? Uh, the Clean Government Association, T.P. Oh. I suggested that you were just the man to add the proper weight. Yeah. Uh, I mean the proper weight in the right places. The right places, yeah. We want you to head the committee investigating conditions at our city jail. Oh, well, uh, city jail, eh? Well, well, thanks. What's wrong down there? If I told you what's going on, it'd make your mustache curl. Uh, yeah, the place can't hold on to its guests. Well, what's the trouble? Poor service? No. Prisoners keep escaping. Turnover suspiciously high. Oh. Uh, we're getting ready to demand a cleanup. We want to get rid of the jailer. Everybody says he's made the place what it is. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's created quite a stir. But <laughs> <laughs> so we've got no evidence that we can put before the grand jury. Oh. We need the testimony of a reputable citizen who can gather the facts secretly. Well, now, how could we do that? Uh, one of our members offered to have himself arrested on some minor charge just so that he could get inside information. A uh, splendid idea. Yeah, it would have been, except everybody knows him. The jailer and his gang is smell a rat. In fact, all our members are prominent, well-known citizens. Oh, that's too bad. Would have been a peachy plan. Well, if there was some good, substantial citizen who was new here in Summerfield... Yes, who wouldn't be recognized when he broke some petty law and landed in jail. Oh, that's right. A new man. A very excellent... Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I can see what's coming. I'm the guy you're leading up to. I won't do it. Pull your chin in, Gildersleeve. Uh, I'm disappointed in you. I thought you were going to be a useful citizen. But I don't like jails. What's wrong with them? I don't want to find out what's wrong with them. For one thing, they're too confining. They give me claustrophobia. Oh, poppycock. That's just your imagination. It is not. I've got claustrophobia so bad I can't even wear a double-breasted vest. But you're, you're just the man we need. Where else can we find someone with your alertness and intelligence and daring? No place. Thanks for the compliment, Ted. I appreciate the honor, too. But no matter how thin you slice it, it's still 30 days in the clink. Oh, what's the use, Ted? He's all bull and bellow. No beef and brawn. No, look here, you. One more crack like that, and I'll fracture your skull with a hot marshmallow. Gildersleeve, you couldn't fracture a poached egg without getting winded. Why, you little legal linthead, I've got a good idea. Oh, you haven't had a good idea since you put on long pants. That settles it, Ted. Don't hold me back. I'm good. Gentlemen, please, please. This is a meeting about law and order. Well, just because he's a law, he can't order me around. I'm not... I am not trying to order you around, guilty old man. Oh, so now I'm an old man, am I? Stop acting like a baby. Yeah, I did. If you had any gumption, you'd help us clean up this town, Gildersleeve. It could lead to a long and honorable civic career. Yeah. Someday they'd put your statue in the park. Yeah? Who knows? Maybe they'd even name the park after you. Think of it. The Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve Memorial Park. Memorial Park? You quit burying me. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> But this plan is foolproof, T.P. The minute you have all the evidence, let us know, and Judge Hooker will get you out of jail with a writ of habeas corpus. Sure. You see? Oh, will you do it? What do you say, T.P.? Well, I didn't know about that, the, the habeas, about that. Then you'll do it? Well, if, if I really can make this town a cleaner, finer place to live in, yes. Ooh, what am I saying? I knew he'd do it, Ted. Well, what's our first move? Gildy's got to get himself arrested for some minor offense. Now, let's see. What could he do? I know. Go downtown, Gildersleeve, and pick a fight with a policeman. Talk back. Make him mad. Sass him. Say, that's something I've always wanted to do. <laughs> Sass a cop. <laughs> <laughs>
This is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Better pick a small cop. Oh, yeah. Well, if everything's settled, I'll drive you home, Judge. Uh, all right now, boys. And don't forget, Hooker, when I give the CGA the SOS, you get me out PDQ. How do you like your uncle's new fall outfit? Why, Uncle Mullard! It looked like a tramp. Yeah. Well, what's the idea of the dark glasses? I'm going downtown to have myself arrested. What's the matter? Lose a bet on the Dodgers? You... No, Leroy. I'm only doing this to help make Summerfield a finer, cleaner place to live in. By going to jail? Yes. Now, don't tell a soul, but I'm going there to investigate conditions for the Clean Government Association. Oh, I didn't understand. Yeah. Well, don't you get it, sis? Unk's something like a G-man. Yeah. Oh, boy, wait till I tell the gang. Leroy, if one word leaks out about this, I'll be thrown right out of jail. Oh, gee, Unk, I wouldn't want that to happen. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep quiet, yeah. but I still don't understand why you're wearing those terrible-looking old clothes. Yeah, boy, is that a corny outfit. It's, it's a disguise, Leroy. Do you like it? It's an old sack suit. Sack suit, huh? Looks like I forgot to take out the potatoes. Yeah. Well, it, it's seven or eight years old, Leroy. I wonder if suits fitted tighter then or if I've expanded. You shouldn't wear those pants, Uncle Moore. Huh? You can't stand up in jail all the time. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, Miss Mark. Who that man? What you want with these children? Go where you train. Uh, take it easy, Bertie. It's me, uh, Mr. Gildersleeve. You sure? Why, of course. Well, you done frightened me from here to Christmas. What you doing dressed up like a scarecrow, only not so skinny? <laughs> well, well, Bertie, the truth of the matter is... Oh, oh, don't tell her, Uncle Moore. You know how women are. They can't keep a secret. Yeah. She'll be telling it all around town before you even get to jail. Jail? Who's going to jail? You, oh. Mr. Gillespie? What for are you going to the pokey? The yeah, pokey? <laughs> I tell you, she's starting to broadcast already. Leroy, you spill the beans yourself. What beans? Now, what's going on around here? Oh, Margie will explain to you later, Bertie. And meanwhile, if you just keep quiet and don't mention this to anybody, I'll be able to get any jail without any trouble. You will? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things I could say at this point, but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Oh, run along, Bertie. I'll try to explain to you later on. If I ever find out myself. Yeah. Okay, but I've got a feeling in my bones and it ain't rheumatism. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think, children? Do I look shabby enough? Sure, you look pretty good. Uh, that is, pretty bad pretty good. Uh, uh, don't you think so, Marge? Well, I don't know. There's something that doesn't quite fit in with the rest. Hmm? Oh, oh, yes, your mustache. That's it. Now, see here, Marjorie. I'm not going to shave off my mustache, even if it means I won't be able to get into that jail. Oh, you needn't shave it. Just trim it a little so it won't look so dapper. No, no, oh, no. Yes, now, come on. Here's a pair of manicures. Nothing okay. doing, Marjorie. Don't you ah, dare it. touch a hair. Hold his head, Leroy. Okay, sis. Hold still, huh? Oh, Leroy, stop now, that. Quick. Cut it out, children. Now, it's taken me years to stop, Marjorie. You'll ruin the shape. Hold still, Uncle. Stop it. Just leave my mustache alone. Oh, that's my nose you're trimming. Everything all right, Uncle Moore? Well, my upper lip was kind of cold. Keep it stiff, Uncle. It looks great. Yes. Uh, say, is it all right if we stick around and watch you get arrested? I should say not. I wouldn't have even let you drive me downtown if that conductor hadn't thrown me off the streetcar. Say, how do you plan to get arrested, Uncle Moore? Huh? I hope you're not going to do anything against the law. Well, nothing really bad. I'm just going to tease a cop. <laughs> Will I have fun getting that cop mad? Hey, Uncle Moore, stop. Yeah? I see a policeman. Where? Coming down the street. See him? Boy, is he a big guy, too. Hey, Uncle Moore, you're not stopping. 
No sense in taking just the first policeman you see, Leroy. <laughs> What's wrong with this one? Well, I'd kind of like to shop around for a little one. Uh, for a little while, I mean. <laughs> but you know how hard policemen ought to find when you want one? Huh? Now's your chance. Gee, Uncle, ain't you gonna? Well, all right, if you insist. Come on, Uncle. Uh, don't rush me, young man. Well, what are we waiting for? Well, I... I just don't know how to begin this. Why don't you just bump into him? Look how big he is. There wouldn't be any fun in that. Then step on his corn. Yeah, step on his corn. That's like putting one foot in the grave. Hurry up before he passes, huh? Now, quit pushing me out of the car, Leroy. Now, stop that. Whoop! Uh, hey, look where you're going, you. You stepped right on my foot. Uh, I did, officer? Well, why don't you keep those big, uh, flat feet out of my way? They are big, aren't they? Huh? <laughs> yes. Yes, they are big. And uh, clumsy, too. That's true. You know, I have the worst time with them, especially when I dance. Yes. I'm not interested in your waltzing dogs. Now, out of my way before I get tough. Oh, don't, don't shout. I've got a splitting headache as it is. Oh, you have? Uh, I'll shout if I want to. Yes, by George, I'd like to see you stop me. Now, really, really, mister, if you're going to create a disturbance, I'm not going to stand here and take it. You're not, eh? Uh, what are you going to do? I'm going home to bed. Oh! <laughs> Wait a minute, aren't you going to arrest me? Oh, oh no, no. As a citizen no. and taxpayer, I insist on being arrested. Well, in that case, you better find a policeman. Yes. Aren't you a policeman? Shh. Don't tell a soul, but I'm just getting home from a masquerade ball. Oh! Hey, Mark, here we are. Oh, I wish you two children would stop following me around. You're just a jinx. Oh. No matter what I try, I can't get myself arrested. Well, then... Um... Did you walk on the grass in the park and pick the flowers like I told you to do? Yes, but that didn't work. Well, you should have waited till you saw a policeman. I did, and all he did was wink at me. How about jaywalking? No arresting people for that these days. I tried jaywalking right on a busy street. What happened? A couple of big trucks just missed me and ran into each other. And the officer didn't arrest you? No, he was too busy separating the truck drivers. <laughs> I even tried to steal a mounted policeman's horse. That should have landed you smacking the hoose down. Well, it would have, except this was a burglar-proof horse. What do you mean? He just sat down in the gutter and refused to move. You better give up, Uncle Moore. No, sir. I'm just as stubborn as the police department. I'm going to jail this afternoon if it takes me all night. Uncle, I've been thinking. I know it'll do the trick. It, what is it, my boy? What is it? You see that pile of bricks? The bricks? Yes. Yeah. And see all the pretty store windows? Oh, Leroy, I don't want to hurt those shopkeepers. Okay, then. How about that row of empty stores across the street? You couldn't hurt anybody there. You're a bright boy, Leroy. Now, you children go back to the car and pretend you don't know me. All right. So long, Uncle Moore. I hope you make it this time. Yeah, thanks. Uh, better take an armful in case I miss. Well, here goes. <laughs> it doesn't seem to attract any attention. I better try again. What kind of a neighborhood is this? Well, I'll wake him up this time. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> Uh, what's wrong, Marjorie? Look at the signs in those windows you broke. Signs? Where? Oh, yes. Uh, these stores for rent by the Forester Estate. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve agent. Oh, my. Now, go on, Uncle. Here comes a guy. Huh? Do as I told you, and I can't keep you out of the coop. Oh, but this is ridiculous, Leroy. I'm a little embarrassed. I'll get stage fright. Well, you said it was for a worthy cause. I'll be waiting, Uncle. Yes. All right. 
I don't like this. Uh, excuse me, buddy, but could you spare a dime for a worthy cup of coffee? Why, sure, pal. I've been up against it myself. Here's a quarter. Oh. That's all right. Keep it up. Sooner or later, somebody's going to complain to the cop on the corner. Oh, to think. A Gildersleeve hustling handouts on the highway. Here comes another customer, Uncle Moore. Okay. Makes me feel like a cat. <clears throat> Pardon me, lady, but could you spare a dime for a cup of coffee? Why, you poor man, I'll do better than that. I'm going to take you to the nearest restaurant and buy you a nice hot meal. But, madam, I've had my luncheon already. I just forgot to drink my coffee. No, Leroy, I simply refuse to ask another person for another dime for another cup of coffee. Why, I've collected over $7 already. Here. To give it to some worthy charity. Start a fund to buy glasses for nearsighted policemen. What are you going to do now? I'm giving up. I never knew it would be so hard to get yourself arrested. Come on. Your sister's waiting in the car. Oh, well, look, that lady dropped her purse. Hand it here, Leroy. Uh, thanks. Which lady was it, Unc? The one with the hat like a waffle. Uh, hey, lady! Uh, Leroy, you go to the car while I run ahead and give it back to her. Uh, lady! Oh, oh, lady! Uh, uh, lady! Oh, lady! Uh, uh, lady, I've been whistling at you for a block. I heard you. How dare you follow me? It, I wasn't following you. I was trying to catch you. Oh, what? Here's your purse, lady. You dropped it back there. I did not. But I thought I saw you. I have my purse right here in my hand. What? That was just an excuse to stop me and try to flirt. You masher. Masher? Who, me? Yes, yes. A girl isn't safe anymore with wolves like you roaming the streets. Wolves? Now, see here. I wish there was a policeman around. I'd teach you a lesson. Quiet, lady. You're attracting a crowd. Why, you ought to be ashamed. Whistling and shouting at a poor girl. Girl? You wouldn't be so bold and sassy if my brother-in-law was here to protect me. Oh, Oh, my God. Excuse me, lady. Uh, maybe I can help you. Quiet, quiet, please. Quiet. Yes, quiet. What's wrong? This man is bothering me. I am not. Move on, bum. You're bothering the lady. But I just ran after her. It bothered her. Now run away. But I want to give her this purse. I don't want your old purse. My purse? She says she don't want your purse. Now beat it. All right, Mr. Abuse. Wait a second. Who are you to tell me I should beat it? I'm a deputy sheriff, see? Now, if you don't want to be pulled in for mashing... But I swear, I... Mr. Huh? Oh, is this your purse? Well, I thought it belonged to the other lady. Stealing <laughs> ladies' pocketbooks, too, huh? Huh? Now I got you on two charges. Mashing and purse snatching. Oh, but I tell you, Deputy, I'm innocent. Oh, yeah? Come on now, fatty. Let's get down to the sheriff's office. Well, I just saw it lying there on the sidewalk, mister, and I thought that... Are you coming quietly, or do I have to drag you to jail? I won't come quietly. You can't make me... If... What? You're going to take me to jail? You catch on fast. Well, why didn't you say so? Come on, come on, come on. I just can't wait till we get there. <laughs> in here, fatso. If that's all. Come on, step in there. You think I'm going to carry you across the threshold? Uh, no, no. I'll walk. <laughs> Spud, you got a roommate. Show this guy the ropes. Sure. Well, make yourself at home, Bunky. What's your name? Uh, Gildersleeve. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Boy, did you pick yourself a phony moniker. Uh, what? Nobody'd ever believe that one. But I assure you, sir, that's my name. Uh, look here, Spud. Uh, I don't want to stay around here a moment longer than I have to. Who does? <laughs> How's the chances of getting out? I don't know. Got a good lawyer? No, no, no. I mean, how's, how's chances of escaping? You mean take it on the lamb? Well, if you want to be technical, yes. Uh, not a chance in the world, Funky. 
This joint is airtight. But I've heard otherwise. Yeah, sure, so did I. But I'm still here. What? Why, I bet I tried everything. And I know all the tricks. You do? Yeah. That's why I'm here. Oh. On account of busting out of all the other joints. But I was told that lots of you robber chaps got free. Then somebody gave you a bum steer, pal. Huh? Why, this is the place that gave him the idea for Alcatraz. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Nobody's ever cracked this jug. Oh, I can hardly believe that. Oh, no? Huh? Well, I'll show you. Hey, deputy. You. Yeah? What is it, Spud? Anybody ever escape out of this cooler? No, nobody's ever escaped out of this cooler. Oh. Hey, Gildersleeve. Uh, yes, sir? You got visitors. Oh, thank you. Come on. A fine mess Judge Hooker and Ted have gotten me into. The hot cooler. Oh, oh. oh uh, hello, children. Are you all right, Uncle? Gee, you made it after all, didn't you, Uncle? How did you manage to do it? Oh, it's a long story, Marjorie. Remind me to tell it to you some cold winter night when we've got nothing better to do. Now, I want you to get a hold of Ted and Judge Hooker. Yes? Tell them that their information was all wrong. Nobody's ever escaped out of this cooler. You mean you're just wasting your time? That's it exactly, Roy. Now, you tell them to get me out of this rabbit hutch quick like a bunny. Judge Hooker's chambers. Uh, let me talk to Judge Hooker, please. This is Ted Will speaking. Oh, well, I see. When will he be back? Well, in about a week, he said. What? A, a week? Uh, he can't do that. Oh, yes, he can. He's just gone to New York on court business. But he can't go. He's left someone in the lurch. Oh, my goodness. Where's the judge stopping in New York? Well, he hadn't decided. He's going to let me know. Uh, what's the trouble? He's left an innocent man here in jail. Oh, that's what all you lawyers say. Oh. Goodbye. Marge, Leroy, what are we going to do? Poor Uncle Mort. Yeah, poor Uncle Mort. <laughs> so cheerful about. You'll soon see, Spud. I'll be out of here quicker than you can walk across this cell. Yeah, well, cut out that singing. I'm punished enough without that. Yeah. I can't help it. I'm so happy about leaving this place. I've just got to sing. Uh, darling, you and I, you know. Hey, Gildersleeve. Huh? You got a visitor. Oh, <laughs> you see, Spud? What did I tell you? <laughs> Thank you, Deputy. Darling, you and I know the reason why I'm such a happy guy. Oh, well, hello, Bertie. I'm glad to see you. Uh, where is everybody? They were afraid to come down, Mr. Gildersleeve. Afraid? What were they afraid of? Afraid of you. They sent me down to break the bad news. What bad news? Judge Hooker done forgot all about you and went to New York for a week. What? Yes, sir. I told you something bad was going to happen. He can't do this to me. Bertie, did you ring me a habeas corpus? I'm sorry, Mr. Gildersleeve. All I brought you was a roast chicken. I don't want a roast chicken. I would... Hey, I do want a roast chicken. Where is it? The man at the door, he done took it away from me. Why, that petty chiseler. But I don't think he's going to enjoy eating it. Why not? <laughs> I stuffed it with some little sauce, some fries, and a little gun. <laughs> Send you to solitary. Uh, let him send me to any place. As long as it's out of here. 
You know, you're the screwiest cellmate I ever roomed with, Funky. Yeah? The other prisoners are circulating a petition demanding your removal. Oh. Now, why don't you just sit down like a good little fella and write another letter to the newspaper? No, I've been framed and double-crossed. And they were going to name a statue after me in a memorial park. I'm really a member of the Clean Government Association. Well, you certainly don't act like it. Huh? In the past three days, you've tried to set the cell on fire four times. Yeah. And the rest of the time, you're either trying to bribe the guards or you're organizing a jailbreak. Gildersleeve, you ain't playing the game. <laughs> I don't want to play any games. I just want to play the anvil chorus on a certain judge's head with a baseball bat. All right, Gildersleeve, get your things. You're leaving. Uh, leaving? I am? Oh, I can hardly believe that. <laughs> oh, this makes me very happy. Uh, that makes it unanimous. Oh, hey, goodbye, Spud. Ah! <laughs> uh, try, try to keep out of mischief from now on, Spud. Well, goodbye, boys. Uh, behave yourselves. Get out of here, yeah, glad to, <laughs> Bum. Uncle Morris, you're free. Oh, hello, children. Yeah. Hello, Ted. Hello, Hooker. Hello. Well, it took you long enough to get me out of here. Oh, Gildy, it was all a mistake. Yeah, let's not discuss it here. Shall we go? Yes. But first, I want to ask you two great civic leaders a question. Where did you get your phony information? From a fortune teller? It wasn't phony. And why did you have to yell your head off about our investigation? It's all over town now. What difference does that make now, Hooker? There's nothing to prosecute here. The jail is escape-proof. I found that out. And from what I saw, it's run on the level, too. Of course it is. I knew that all along. Then why in the name of common sense did you send me here? That's just it. We didn't tell you to come here, Gildersleeve. What? No, this is the county jail. We told you to go to the city jail. Oh, my goodness. Gildersleeve will be with us again in a few minutes. But right now, I wonder how many of you housewives baked a cake or some cookies yesterday for your Sunday dinner today. A lot of you did, I'm sure, because there's just nothing like that real home-baked flavor. Well, here's a hint for the next time you bake. For luscious extra flavor in cookies, cakes, or pastries, use delicious parquet margarine for the shortening. You see, parquet margarine is a genuine flavor shortening, not just a bland, tasteless fat. Yes, the same delicious flavor that makes parquet grand for table use makes it marvelous for baking, too. And that's why so many women also use parquet margarine for seasoning hot vegetables and for pan frying. But whether you use parquet margarine at the table, for seasoning, for baking, or for pan frying, you're adding valuable nourishment to your family's diet. And every pound of parquet contains 9,000 units of vitamin A. And remember, good as parquet tastes and nourishing as it is, Parquet is so economical, you can use all you want. So why not join the thousands of Parquet users and order a pound or two tomorrow? Just ask for Parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y. It's the margarine that's made by Kraft.
Yes? Uh, Throckmorton, this is Spud. I, I just phoned to tell you I gave you a bum steer. Uh, you did, Spud? How? Well, somebody did escape out of that cooler. Uh, they did? Who? Me. So long, Throcky. Uh, Spud! Uh, Spud! You're not playing the game. Good night. <laughs> Original music heard on this program was composed and conducted by William Randolph. This is Jim Bannon speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to be with us again next week at the same time for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Good health to all from Rexall. The Jimmy Durante half power of charm. With 42 violins, 23 woodwinds, and featuring Morris and his magic kazoo. <laughs> Don't laugh, folks. We couldn't afford Evelyn. It's the new Jimmy Durante show with Arthur Treacher, Peggy Lee, Candy Candido, Roy Bargy and his orchestra, our Rexall sportscaster Tommy Harmon, yours truly Howard Petrie, and as our special guest tonight, Eddie Cantor. Brought to you by 10,000 Rexall drugstores who carry the complete line of top quality Rexall drug products. And here he is in person, the star of our show, the one and only Arthur Treacher. <laughs> Even when things are adverse, you feel superb, even your appearance will improve. Oh! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was that? It sounded like the mating call of a wounded anchovy. <laughs> Mr. Treacher, you're quite satisfied with yourself, aren't you? Why, yes. As a matter of fact, I, I thought it was jolly good, old boy. <laughs> Don't you think it advisable for me to open the show every week? Mr. Treacher, I warn you, I have influential friends in the immigration department. <laughs> I could have you deported to San Badoo. <laughs> Fate wished at the Hatchapi. Oh, come, come, dear boy, let's not antagonize the sponsor. I rather think he'd like me to open the show. Oh, you think so, huh? Well, I happen to have a letter from the sponsor, sprinkled with sachet, of course, <laughs> which says, Dear Mr. Durante, I listened to your opening program last week, and in my opinion, your lusterless witticisms were not only devoid of humorous contotations, but in addition, they completely lacked the spontaneity to arouse my irritabilities. And Treacher, there's just one thing I want to know. What's that? Do you think I ought to ask for more money? Well, James, I was requested to open the show by this chap here, our new director, Smedley. You mean to say, Mr. Schmedley, you put Treacher on, a Cockney comic, instead of me? Aren't you a bit prejudiced? On the contrary, old kipper, old fruit, old codfish, on the contrary. <laughs> oh, a Hungarian. <laughs> Mr. Durante, if you are inferring that this is a conspiracy, 
Permit me to assure you of my unimpeachable integrity. And mine, too. How do you like that? I'm surrounded by a couple of honest John Bulls. <laughs> oh, come off it, old fruit, old fish cake, old bean. Old fruit, old fish cake, old bean. To this guy, everybody's an 85-cent blue plate. <laughs> I, uh, I say, Sprito, this chap has quite a good bit of cheek. To say nothing of a good deal of nose. Oh, 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 I consider you very unchivalrous. Well, you, sir, are an unscrupulous. Well, you, sir, are a prevaricator. And you, sir, are a rehatchable cockatrice. <laughs> Shall we try a round of two-syllable words? <laughs> Arthur, I've had my fill of this blighter. I'm leaving. Well, I can't say I blame you, Smedley, dear boy. But have patience. In time, we'll wear the blighter down. Chin up. That's a nice tune, but it'll never replace Inka Dinka Doo. Really, James, you know, you should have no objections to my taking over, especially after the reviews of last week's program. Allow me to quote The new Rexall show got off to a sparkling start due to the devastating wit of Arthur Treacher, who overcame a spotty and bungling performance. By Snozzle Durante. What paper was that in? The London Times. <laughs> I had an idea it wasn't the San Fernando shopping news. <laughs> and furthermore, James, don't you see that this program needs a man of the world with a flair for worldly wit? And who fits that description better than I? I've been to Nice, Monte Carlo, Budapest. Have you ever been to those places, James? I don't know. When I get home, I'll look through my towels. <laughs> I'm a collector, you know. I even have one from the YWCA. <laughs> Mother doubt, of course. <laughs> but what makes you think that I'm not a man of the world? I've been to Paris, London. I've took the baths of Deauville. No, 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 dear boy. You don't say I took the baths of Deauville. You say I watered at Deauville. I watch it at Deauville. <laughs> where, where else did you water? Did you water at Barbie Barbie? <laughs> no, but I sauce it at Bishy. <laughs> I say, old fruit, that was a quite right. Uh, what? Right is hardly the word. Hello, everybody. Oh, there you are. I've been looking all over for you, you gorgeous hunk of man. Thank you, Peggy. Oh, hello, Jimmy. I didn't see you standing there. <laughs> Some days it don't even pay to get up. <laughs> oh, Arthur, I want to thank you for this lovely tweed jacket you gave me for my brother. Oh, don't mention it, dear girl. Say, that is a lovely tweed jacket. You know, I got one home exactly like it. You want a bit? <laughs> How generous of you, Mr. Treacher, but that jacket has sentimental value. I happen to have a peanut butter sandwich sewed in the lining. <laughs> oh, Jimmy, don't take your jacket back. My brother will be terribly disappointed. He was going to wear it tonight. Formal affair? No, scavenger hunt. <laughs> now, why all the fuss, old boy? You got a fair exchange. After all, Miss Lee left you a pair of her slacks. Well, now that's a handy item. What do you mean she left me a pair of her slacks? I didn't see no slacks. See them? You're wearing them. <laughs> I am. How do you like that? I thought this drape was kind of droopy. Oh, never mind the fit, Jimmy. 
And these times, people should economize, you That's know. right, dear boy. After all, you know, some have and some have not. That's the trouble with wearing Peggy's slacks. Where she has, I have not. <laughs> now you know that you can't go wrong. Why, if you follow me, they will fall. The Rexall original one-cent sale will start next Wednesday, so don't you fail to shop in this nationwide Rexall spree and take the advice of our Peggy Lee. To Rexall's original one-cent sale, better bring a basket, better bring a pail. you find two of everything comes in handy and only costs a penny more, doesn't it, Candy? Go for the price of one plus a penny more. And man, that's value and furthermore. There's a super, a duper, a double feature. It's a prize contest. To top the occasion and add more zest, there's a fourteen thousand dollar prize contest. Just finish a simple sentence and sign your name. That's all. Cheerio. Take it, Jane. At Rexall's original one cent sale, you save your money on a stupendous scale. It helps put inflation back on the skid. At Rexall's original, take it, kids. Rexall's original one cent sale at your Rexall druggist for more details. And don't forget to fill out your contest blank for shopping and for listening. Thanks. Good health to all from Rexall. You know, you know, James, I, I think this is an ideal arrangement, me living in your house. You sleep in the bedroom downstairs and I in the bedroom above. Yes, but since this is my house, creature... There's a little favor I'd like to ask. Uh, please stop hanging your long underwear out the window. I like sunshine too, you know. <laughs> and now, if you'll excuse me, old Kipper, I should like to step out into the garden and water my petunias. Uh, there's nothing like petunias. Without petunias, life wouldn't be worth living. <laughs> Wait a minute. What happened to my garden? Oh, I, I've had it replanted. We ripped out the petunias and substituted rhododendrons with a border of nasturtiums and gladiolas flanked with creeping wisteria. But I don't like rhododendrons uh, with a border of nasturtiums and gladiolas flanked with creeping worcestershire. All I want is petunias. <laughs> petunias? How provincial. Now look at that lovely delphinium patch trimmed with hibiscus and hyacinth with trailing arbutus. And those lovely snapdragons with early bloomers. But I'm not happy with delafinians trimmed with hot biscuits and hyacinthus <laughs> trailing albumium. And I don't like snapdragons in anybody's blooming. <laughs> All I want is petunias. Oh, here's my valley. Candido, I, I changed the sleeping arrangement. Mr. Durante is not happy with his room, so I'm putting him in with you. How does that strike you? I'm feeling mighty low. <laughs> I ain't sleeping with that guy unless you put a muzzle on him. <laughs> we got dogs here, too? Oh, no, no, that's one of the puppies. The dog's in the backyard watching the goats. Who needs goats? I do. I gotta have goat's milk. The doctor says... I'm very fragile. <laughs> Mr. Preacher, I don't mind telling you I'm not happy with all these changes you're making in my household. And furthermore, 
Wait a minute. What happened to my living room furniture? Well, I put it on the front lawn for an airing, and the salvation of it took it away. But don't worry. I've had the whole place redecorated with Chippendale chairs, Sheraton consoles, and touches of Louis Catal. But I don't like Chippendale chairs, Sheraton camisoles, and touches of Louis Casserole. But, but, Jimmy, Jimmy, you've got to have Chippendale chairs, Sheraton consoles, and touches of Louis Catal. It's very she-she. I don't want a room that's she-she. I happen to be a hee-hee. <laughs> I'm surrounded by assassins. Haven't I got a friend in the joint? Of course you have, Jimmy. I'm here. Ah, bless your heart, Peggy. Am I glad to see you. And am I glad to see you too, Jimmy. There's just one favor I want to ask you. What's that, Peggy? Could I... Could I have a lock of your hair? Ah, oh, that's touching. A lock of my hair? Do you want it for your locket? No, but it would make a lovely raccoon tail for my brother's motorcycle. Ah. <laughs> a compliment well deserved. And confidentially, Peggy, I've written a song about you, but I can't think of a title. I've tried Peg of My Eye, Peg of My Ear, Peg of My Neck, Peg of My... Wait a minute. <laughs> I got it. I got the title. What are you going to call it? I'm just wild about Harry. <laughs> Oh, that's very cute, Jimmy. But I've got a song I think you'll like better. How would you like All of Me? Peggy, a comment at this point is superfluous. <laughs> sing, Peggy, sing. Goodbye. 
Yes, our Rexall One Cent Sale Celebration is the biggest drugstore event in the nation. It's a chance to save while buying the best and win a $14,000 prize contest. This One Cent Sale gets underway next Wednesday and lasts through Saturday with hundreds of Rexall remedies and Rexall drug necessities at two for the price of one plus one cent more at every neighborhood Rexall store. These are values no one can afford to be missing. And as for the contest prizes, just listen. First prize. A trip around the world by Pan American. Yes, sir. Or $5,000, if you prefer. Second prize, a vacation in Rio. Two weeks of swank. Or $2,500 in the bank. Third prize, a holiday in Hawaii. Expenses for two. Or $1,000 mailed to you. Ask your Rexall druggist for full details next week during Rexall's one-cent sale. If you're eager to save and it's value you crave for relief from the stock on inflation, you'll be buying the best, maybe win the contest at the one-cent sale celebration. Good health to all from Rexall. Last, I've got the house to myself. Now I can sit down at the piano and relax. Please. Excuse me, please. My name is Steinway. I came to scratch my name off the piano. Eddie. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Cantor. Level, Jimmy, you know, you know, it's awfully nice to visit with you. Yes, Eddie, it sure is good to see you again. If you was a girl, I'd kiss you. <laughs> if I was a girl, Jessler would have married me long ago. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, James Durandy, you're the greatest in the game. No, Eddie, you're the greatest in the game. No, Jimmy, I insist you're the greatest in the game. Please, Eddie, you're the greatest in the game. Okay, you win, Jimmy. I am the greatest in the game. I feel like the Dodgers. I was all right up to that last game. <laughs> Jimmy, you and I have been together a long, long time, and I sure am proud of you. You're keeping right up to date on the fashion. What do you mean? You're the only man I know who's wearing the new ankle-length nose. <laughs> it, used to, it used to be only knee-length, but I let out the hen. <laughs> you let it out a little too much. <laughs> Already you being here reminds me of old times, believe yes, me. Yes, Jimmy, we do go back a long time, don't we? It makes me think... Makes me think of the act I did with Gus Edwards years ago. I worked with a swell bunch of kids then. Walter Winchell, Irving Berlin, Harry Richmond, Georgie Price, and Al Jolson. And to think I made good. You know, Jimmy, I... I often wonder... What? Whatever became of those other kids? <laughs> Swallowed up by a cruel world. <laughs> Ah, Eddie, it sure would be fun to relive those good old days when we were trying to get started in Cooney Island. Yeah. Remember the Frankfurters at Feltman's and the good times we had at Perry's College Inn? Yes, and remember remember when we were playing at Steuben's and after the show I took that little blonde girl out and we held hands in the park? <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. Then I put my arm around her. <laughs> Marvelous. Then I kissed her for three hours. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Wait a minute. What am I laughing at? That was my girl. Uh, Coney Island, those were the days, Jimmy. 
I was a singing waiter at Kerry Walters, and you were... Yes. The guy with the big nose, uh... <laughs> James, I said to you, James, let's quit Coney Island. Let's shoot for the moon. Let's go up and see the great six out. Fine. Maybe he'll give us a break. That's right. How do you do, Mr. Zickfeld? We're Cantor and Durante. I don't know you, and you don't know me. Why did you have to go and spoil it? <laughs> Please give us a chance, Mr. Zickfeld. All we want is a straight 52-week contract at 5000 a week with special material, tailored costumes, no matinees, meals sent in, star dressing rooms on the ground floor. I'll give you $10 a week and you dress in the alley. <laughs> we better take it. He's meeting us halfway. <laughs> Please, Mr. Zickfell, we'll give you an idea of our rack right now. Get over to the piano, Jimmy. Let's go. And then he'd roll, roll, roll. Way up the river, he would roll, roll, roll. He would kiss her now and then She would tell him when He'd fool around and fool around And then they'd kiss again And then he'd row, row, row A little farther he would row Oh, 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 oh Then he'd drop both his oars Take a few more on course And then he'd row, row, row What do you think, Mr. Zickfeld? Well, I thought you were wonderful, Mr. Cantor. But being the showman I am, there's one thing I'd like to suggest. And what's that? Get rid of the guy with the big nose. <laughs> My nose isn't big. I just happen to have a very small head. <laughs> that was many years ago. And Eddie, I'll never forget when Zickfeld said, get rid of the guy with the big nose and how you stuck up for me. Yes, but Jimmy, while I was talking to Zickfell about you, why did you run out on me? Eddie, I knew we went as far as we could go together, and I figured Ziggy wanted you, not me. And believe me, what a thrill I got when I saw you in the Follies of 1917. I'll never forget what a sensation you were when you came out in blackface and white gloves and sang. What was the name of that song, Eddie? Oh, I know. <laughs> Yes, sir, that's my baby, no, sir, I don't mean maybe, yes, sir, that's my baby now. Boy, what a hit you were that night. And little did you think that one day Warner Brothers would make your life story. Yeah, they're working on it right now. Too bad they didn't make it sooner or they could have called it Life with Father. <laughs> oh, that's no good, Jimmy. When you've been a father as long as I have, no life. <laughs> You had plenty of life when you appeared in the Follies of 1919. What was that big song hit you had then? Oh, the boys were coming home from the war, and I sang... How you gonna keep them down on the farm after they seen Paris? What a song! How you gonna keep them away from Broadway? Jazzing around, painting the town. How you gonna keep them away from harm? That's a mystery. Imagine Reuben when he meets his pa. He'll kiss his cheek and holler, ooh, la, la. How you gonna keep them down on the farm after they see Harry? Ah, ready? That was a great number, Eddie. And you know something? As I sat in the balcony the night you opened in that show, I'm not ashamed to tell you I cried like a baby. Did you, Jimmy? Yes. 
There you were on that stage singing, and there I was, sitting in the balcony with so much talent. <laughs> ah, Jimmy. But you couldn't hide that talent for long because I remember shortly after you opened the Club Durante with an act that took the town by storm. Clayton, Jackson, and Durante. You know, Jimmy, I came down with a big party that night, and as I walked into the club, there you were on the piano singing. I know, John, well, I can do it out Broadway, but can Broadway do it out me? Paris Square, Times Square, Columbus Circle, 96. What happened? I must have passed my station. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, what an act that was. You must have made a fortune at the Club Durante. No, Eddie, not a penny. Everything we made went for new pianos. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but it was well worth it, James, because when you finished your act that night, Flo Zickville, who was in my party, turned to me and said, Who's that guy? And I answered him. I said, Mr. Zickville, that's the guy with the big nose. And it wasn't long after that when Mr. Zickville's new production showgirl had it as star, Jimmy Durant. He saw the error of his ways. <laughs> but what a change of pace for Durante to come out singing a number like Liza, Liza, guys are crazy. But if you smile on me, all the clouds are over way. Liza, Liza, don't delay. Oh, Durante, a crooner, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy, don't blow. I want to tell you something, kid. I listen to Crosby, I listen to Dick Hames, I listen to Sinatra, and you know something? Yes. I'm going to keep right on listening to them. <laughs> You're listening to me at a great disadvantage. You can hear me. <laughs> but anyway, talking about songs, what do you figure is the biggest song you've had in show business, Eddie? Well, Jimmy, in my humble opinion, I say it was... Another bride, another groom... Another sunny, honeymoon, another season, another reason for making whoopee. Yeah, Reddy, I've, I've often envied you, working on all those Zigfield shows with those gorgeous Polly's girls. Oh, those gorgeous Polly's girls, Jimmy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's like working in a candy store. After the first day, you never bother with the candy. <laughs> but, oh, that first day. Oh, <laughs> Ah, show business. It's been rather good to both of us, James. And in 40 years of show business, I think I found out why the people love the guy with the big nose. It's because the guy with the big nose has a heart to match. Yesterday they told you you would not go far. That night you open and here you are. Next day on your dressing room they hung a star. Let's go on with the show. This is Howard Petrie with those foremost Rexall reminders for the week. Remember, next Wednesday is the opening day of the Rexall one-cent sale celebration. Remember, next Saturday is the closing day of the biggest drugstore event in the nation. Remember, two Rexall items at your Rexall store for the price of one plus one cent more. Remember, the $14,000 prize contest for the ones who complete this sentence best. I buy Rexall drugs because...
just a moment, we'll switch to Detroit to hear a Rexall sportscast with Tommy Harmon of the Los Angeles Rams, giving us his observation on some of the week's big football games. Meanwhile, from this end, we'll say Rexall for tonight from Peggy Lee, Arthur Treacher, the entire cast, and Jimmy Durante, who says thank you to Eddie Cannon. And next week, folks, we'll have at our house, nation's sweetheart, and mine too, Margaret O'Brien, at the same time, same station. Good night, Mrs. Calabash. This program is produced and directed by Phil Cohan. Eddie Cantor appeared on this program for the courtesy of the makers of Pat's Blue Ribbon Beer. And now, for a Rexall sportscast from Detroit, we bring you Tom Harmon. Thank you, Howard. And now for our Rexall Game of the Week. This week, our gridiron spotlight swings from California to New York, where the mighty cadets of Army play host to the Rose Bowl champions of last year, Illinois. Last year at the Rose Bowl, most of the spectators wanted Army, and after Illinois finished with the Bruins, they were only too sorry that Army didn't make the trip. For the game this Saturday, Army, too, may wish that they had chosen another team other than Illinois. Army this year is without Davis and Blanchard to help them steamroll opponents on Saturday. The cadets are not as weak as most people think, but they will miss Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. Illinois' main losses center around Buddy Young, Julie Rykovich, and Alex Agassi. But back leading the Illini is Perry Moss, the brilliant quarterback who engineered the UCLA defeat last January 1st. Joining Moss in a potent backfield are Steger and Duffelmeyer, two backs who can run at the side of daylight, and the Illini line is one of the best in the Big Nine. So let's flip a coin. You call who you want. I'll call at the end of Army's glorious win streak and a win for Illinois after a bitter battle. On behalf of Jimmy Durante and the whole gang, this is Tom Harmon saying good night and good health to all from Rexall. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Mm-hmm.